Welcome to the Power of Synergy on BBS Radio. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona. Synergy is what we create when we come together with other people. Humans are powerful beings when they're alone, but the things that humans can do when they come together are even more powerful. Our performance capacity is infinite for the simple reason that as souls, we have a body and a heart and mind and spirit. When those four things come together, working together with the same focus and intention, they are dynamic. But the literal definition of synergy is the interaction or cooperation of two or more substances or entities to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. Well, what does that even mean in a practical sense? There's a popular expression, the total is more than the sum of its parts. That is especially true when it's about people. Humans become exponentially more powerful when they are united in thought and intention and volition because everything they're thinking and feeling at all times will affect the other person and their mutual energy intensifies. So this show is about becoming more personally powerful and mindfully proactive, both when you are alone and with other people. I cover a lot of topics in the next hour, and if you have a question you want to ask or a comment you want to make, go ahead and give me a call. The number here at BBS Radio is 888-627-6008. Okay, so the theme for today is resentment how to purge resentment. Now, purge is a really powerful word. Sometimes we just think of it as, okay, getting rid of something like vomit. Okay, that's, that's kind of graphic. <laughs> Let's go back to the emotional kind of definition of it. It's to expel something with force, to completely remove it. Well, r- resentment. What does that even mean? We're going to discover that and kind of modify our definition as we go through the show today. But generally speaking, resentment is a feeling that you continue to harbor even after something has happened. It might be over, but you still have that negativity even afterwards. Okay, so let's just say something happened and it's a good principle to... Forgive and forget. Okay. Well, is that really possible? The human mind is very powerful and able to remember everything because its purpose is to assimilate and combine and build and edify, actually making more, better things that can be put to immediate and very practical, impressive, good use. Well, some people would say our brain is never really full. We could learn things, learn things, learn more things forever, and our mind would never be full to the point of, you know what, I can't do anymore. I can't, I can't continue to learn new things. I have enough things for life. Wow, you know, that's really kind of cool. So when we think about forgive and forget, we could theoretically just say, okay, I don't, I don't want to have that in my mind anymore. I want to make good room for good, 
better, more useful things? Well, sorry, but that's not really going to happen. When we choose not to think about something, all that means is we're in denial. We pretend like it's not important. We pretend like it serves no good purpose. It has no good use. We're not helping ourselves or the people in our lives by pretending like it's not there because you need to put it to good use when you're turning off that ability of your brain to employ that information, that experience that we have had, even if it's a bad or painful experience, we are stifling our ability to function as people. The truth is, we still need to care about things that have happened because we need to have our heart connected to our mind and our mind connected to our body. Again, as souls, we have the spirit that is the fuel for our body and our heart and our mind. So when all of those things are working in harmony with each other, then we're truly powerful. We are proactive, we are mindful, and we are constructive. If we say we don't care about something, that means we have to disconnect or repress one of those four elements. And that's not going to be good for us or the people in our life, the people that we care about very much or the people that we don't even know, that we've never truly met because those people are still affected by us. That's the principle of synergy. Whatever we have going on inside of us and whatever they have going on inside of us, the minute that we become close enough to each other to feel each other or just to be aware of each other, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and what we're doing will affect them and vice versa. All right. Well, some people say, and this is a a very cute, very clever expression, let's make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah, you take something bad, like lemons, you make something good with it. Lemonade. That could be pleasurable. It could be enjoyable. You're taking something bad and turning it into something good. Well, as a principle, as an idea, I've always really liked that. And I like especially when people say that because it gives them a positive attitude. But that doesn't really work in every situation in a pragmatic way because not everyone likes lemonade. (laughs) Sometimes, even when you add enough sugar to it, there's still that reminder of, this was really unpleasant and it was really painful and I wish it hadn't happened. So what I like to use is a different expression, turning difficult situations into stepping stones. Yeah, that's a little bit different because stepping stones can be what helps us to become more successful. We can put it to good practical use to be what facilitates us to be successful in life. Those stepping stones are what gives us the support and encouragement and opportunity to have and be better things in what we are and in what we do. And when people see us turning what they might have thought was a potentially bad situation, a 
on paper, yeah, it might have looked pretty bad. Using those things in a way that they can say very clearly, wow, you would not have been able to do that amazing and impressive thing that you just did if you hadn't had that otherwise seemingly negative experience. Okay, well, that's tough. (laughs) That's a lot easier said than done. Having the mindset and the skills to say, now, I'm going to take something that was very difficult, that might have been very painful for me, and even for the people around me, because certain people with certain personalities are more affected by how they how they affect other people and how other people around them feel. They're called intuitive feelers. Intuitive feelers are actually more damaged when they see the pain and suffering of the people that they love because those people are the most important things in their lives. Okay, so when we think about creating stepping stones, that is really important as a mindset, as a philosophy in daily life to say, I have the ability to look at situations and people and even experiences from a different angle, from a different perspective. There are different elements involved in what happened, and they happened for different reasons, and they happened in different ways. All of the different elements that were involved reacted to each other. So that involves taking apart the situation. And one very consistent element in life experience is our feelings, our emotions. One of the most powerful emotions that we have as humans is anger. Now, a lot of people say anger is destructive and it's very harmful to us. We need to learn how to manage anger. Well, actually, anger can be very constructive because it is very healthy. It can be one of the stepping stones because it can potentially be a weapon or, again, as a stepping stone, a tool. What is our anger? Okay, it's, it's a feeling. Well, it's the feeling, but it serves a very specific purpose. And if we think of it as potentially a stepping stone, not so much a weapon, but as a tool that we can use to become more successful in life, we're not going to see it in the same way. Anger, all it is, is our body's reaction to what our mind has determined is something gone wrong. Things happen in life. We have different feelings that are generated with different experiences. Anger is a feeling that we have when we haven't taken care of a situation that might be annoying at first. It might be uncomfortable. It might be uh, very overwhelming. We need to take care of what's going on around us. And when we haven't done that effectively, successfully, Our body releases very powerful chemicals to give us strength and energy and volition to say, let's fix this situation right now. I'm going to continue, the body says I'm going to continue to 
make you feel different things physiologically. And the mind says, there's a reason why this is happening. <laughs> this needs to be addressed. Whatever it is that happened that was important enough to generate these experiences internally, we need to take a step back and look at that situation. But the only way you are going to really believe that it's that important is if it's intense. The experience personally that you have that could be potentially an amazing stepping stone is anger. Now, we have a lot of different things going on in our lives all day, every day. Some of them are solitary, individual, distinct experiences, but for the most part, they have factors, different details, different elements, all happening at the same time with each other, interacting with each other, feeding off of each other, and responding to each other. That can be people, that can be situations, it could be physical manifestations in the natural world, it could be thoughts and feelings just in the form of different opinions that different people have. There could be one single experience that said, okay, we're going to need a lot of things to happen in order for this to be successful. Well, when we're thinking about the variety of people and their different opinions and values and priorities, as they're working together, creating that synergy together, their differences well, they can empower each other or they can undermine each other. And so as life happens and different experiences come to fruition, if it didn't quite work out the way that it was supposed to, people experience an emotion called anger. And again, that's very important to appreciate because that's our body telling us this needs to be addressed. So when we say, okay, something's going on, I need to be in an excellent state of mind and a high-quality state of heart and a very strong spirit, body, energy, all of those things. As humans, we have an amazing capacity to get awesome things done alone and even better things done with other people. So. When we're talking about resentment, okay, that resentment is harmful. It is detrimental to us because it means that even when a situation is done and it's over, it means we have not successfully dealt with everything important about that situation, most importantly, our anger. A big mistake that a lot of people make they don't work through the anger as a separate experience from the cause or the source of anger. That was the original issue. Some people say, all right, let's just deal with the situation. Let's get it over with. Fix it. Okay? Get it over with and, and then we can move on. They don't really address all of the things separate from the situation and the issue that the anger is about. The anger has been a result of when a person takes excellent care 
of the biochemistry that anger creates, they are better equipped and in a higher quality state, more willing to be objective, to solve problems, to be cooperative with people, to create that positive synergy. Well, how can someone work through their anger when they understand there are different things that different people do to manage their energy and to restore their thoughts and their feelings, the positive feelings that are the source of proactive, mindful, successful actions, behavior. They know that that's a very critical part They understand that it's a very vital element to life. It's really important to appreciate and to deal with, to take care of themselves, to get to know themselves, to say, you know what? What works for one person when they're going through those feelings, when they're going through those experiences, it doesn't work for me because I'm a unique individual. Taking the time to learn about how to be really taking care, proactively, mindfully, wise in the way you take care of yourself, you can say to the people around you, you know what, what works for me when I'm going through my anger, when I'm processing my different emotional and physiological reactions, before we even start dealing with this, because we will deal with this, if you give me the space and the opportunity to take care of who I am in that angry state, everything is going to be that much better. Not only for me, but for you and for the situation. Everything will be a great experience and ultimately more successful life experience for the world, not just the people who are involved. Because every action has an equal and opposite reaction, and that is, by extension, going to affect the entire world. Okay, so let's say you're not going to forgive and forget, but can you get closure if you're able to work through and process the feelings that you have before you deal with a situation, and you can say, okay, now the situation, because we are in a high-quality state, all of us, the other person, the other people might not have had the problem with the anger that you might have had, but in a high quality state, they can feel that something beneficial has happened. Something very productive has happened and it's made the world and the people in it higher quality, not only in what they say and do, but in the way that they think and feel. That energy and those thoughts that they're feeling will manifest in the things that they say and do. That will, by extension, affect the other people around them, even the people that they're not personally interacting with. Okay, so if you can get closure and say, this situation might not have turned out exactly the way I would have preferred, (laughs) my personal philosophy says something very different should have happened. But to say, I can be in this situation. I can be, I can think back. I can remember what happened. I don't have to have that 
forget and deny that it ever happened. I can think about all of the details and all of the people that were involved in the situation and be very, very calm and peaceful in my heart. Because again, I can see who I am and who the people that were involved in the situation are and the situation that it might not turn out, it might not have turned out the way I thought that it should have, but there was something beneficial that came to fruition as a result of that situation and the way we successfully, proactively, in a positive way, dealt with the elements, not only the individual general elements, but the ones that meant the most to the people involved, how they manifested, how they were displayed, how it all came about and ended. That situation isn't happening anymore, but when I think about it, I don't have the negativity because I know that the peace that I truly have inside of myself can't be taken away just by the thoughts because my thoughts and feelings are now positive and constructive. The only time our thoughts and feelings are still negative is when we have not addressed the source of what created them. So there's a lot of different ways. Again, we can have different ways that we interpret a situation, that we respond to a situation, our perspective, and then, most importantly, how we respond to the people and their different thoughts and opinions and perspectives when we get together and we create synergy. Even when our feelings might be, you know, not really good, but not really bad. Well, it can't be neutral. Which one is it more? Let's think about which one is more powerful. You could say, well, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend like everything is perfect according to what I would define that as. I don't have the jolly spirit and the happy-go-lucky attitude. What do I have more of? the positive feeling or the negative feeling? Because we might very well have both. There's a joke I really like about um, the computer's gender. You know what? Sometimes the computer's like a man. Sometimes it's like a woman. But the bottom line in that joke is women are going to be different from men. That is a very common setting, a very common situation for struggles for anger, for conflict. When we appreciate that certain things about men are never going to change and certain things about women are never going to change, that really does require, it demands understanding and insight as well as acceptance and appreciation. There may very well be things Yeah, I'm never really going to like it. (laughs) That's just the bottom line. That's okay, because the communication and the cooperation that creates the synergy, again, there's not ever going to be neutral feelings, but there has to be the positive that is more powerful 
than the negative. And that comes from a source of your intentions. What really is more important? I recently had an experience where there were a lot of negative people. There was a lot of pain and anger and frustration in a large group. Even the authority figures, even the people who were the supervisors and the um, the police officers even that came into the situation a few times, the security guards, they had very negative attitudes about the people that they were supposed to be helping and protecting. And the people who were being helped and protected, they didn't even feel like they were cared about enough to be well cared for. So there was a lot of that propelling right, and perpetuating of the negativity, the pain and the anger and the resentment. When I walked into the situation and I said, look, I understand that this negativity and this frustration, all of these very powerful, bad feelings, all they're doing is harming each other, making the situation worse. I refuse to behave in that way, and there's no way I'm going to propel those bad feelings. You can treat me any way you want. I can't stop that because I can't control you, but I will respond in a positive and respectful and proactive way. Consider it. I couldn't even think of the word. It was just about being nice and saying, I do believe that my positive energy is more powerful than your negative, like swearing and insulting. Well, people do that kind of stuff all day, every day. Obviously, if you're not going to have that kind of negative behavior, people are going to say, I either don't want to be around you or, you know what, I'm sorry I did that. I'm going to stop because I care about your feelings. And over the the period of time, it was several days when I was saying to them, I understand that you have your feelings, you're very angry and you're very frustrated. I'm still going to behave in a way that is respectful and thoughtful and caring. It took a few days, but most of the people who were staying there as the the residents, they started to change the way they interacted with me. And they ended up being more considerate and thoughtful and respectful to each other. Well, some of the authority figures, the security guards, they were very taken back. They they almost didn't trust it at the beginning. They were thinking, hmm, something's going on here. We better we better stay on the lookout and be ready for something to go wrong. And and you know what? Nothing went wrong because my positive attitude and and very very considerate and thoughtful behavior and proactive in a positive way energy really did affect people in a constructive way. They really liked that there was a peace and a consideration and a genuine interest in what they needed on my part. So they just said, wow, the only reason I'm mean to everybody all the time is because everybody's always mean to me. 
this is so much better. I really like being nice. <laughs> and I really like when you're nice to me. Yeah, if you're going to be that way to me, I'm going to be that way to you too. And then other people started watching from the distance. And they even came up to me kind of in a, in a secretive way. And they said, why are you nice? And all I said was, because I believe that good conquers evil. And I don't care if other people are going to be mean to me. I'm still going to be nice to them. Because good is more powerful than evil. And it's very contagious. And it's motivational. There were times when they literally would go to bed screaming and swearing at each other and fighting. Well, by the end of the week, they were sleeping like babies. And they were letting other people go in front of them and offering them the better bed. No, some beds were better than others. And saying thank you. And you're welcome. And please to each other. Everything in that place changed because the positive energy is more powerful. And you know what? One of my favorite stories in the Bible was about when Jesus was being approached by some of the religious leaders. There was a woman. She was doing some pretty bad stuff. And they came to him and said, hey, we have the logistics, we have the, the evidence, we have the rules and the, the written records of what we are supposed to do to this woman. We need to stone her to death. And he was just sitting there kind of doing his own thing, very calm. And what they were saying and doing was horrible. And he could very easily have gotten angry at them. But all he did was look up very briefly and say, let he who has no sin throw the first stone. And then he went back to what he was doing. He didn't even have a conversation with him. He just said, let the one who has no sin throw the first stone. They had nothing to say. All it did was make them go away. They didn't stone her. They couldn't because we're all just as bad in one way or another. And you can't really get upset at other people because whatever it is that you don't like about them, well, you know what? There are just as many bad things about you, just in a different form, for a different reason. Okay, so let's stop focusing on the negative. And if there is something negative, it might be causing your anger. It might be creating a very intense conflict. But when you get your energy into a positive state, that is contagious. It's going to affect the things that you say and the things that you do. Not only those things, but it's going to affect your energy and what people absorb when they're around you. It's going to change their behavior because people really do want to be positive. Sometimes when there's negativity, people just respond in kind. But if you take a, a look at what you do, and how you do it, see how many times people respond in kind. How often do people just do what you did because they don't even realize, they don't really think about it, their anger has just told them, this is a situation that needs to be taken care of, but they don't really work through the anger well enough to say, okay, 
I've taken really good care of myself, and I'm in a different state of mind, and I'm in a different state of heart. Now I can look at a situation, less than ideal situation, and be good and healthy and proactive in the way that I deal with it. How can we how can we really do that? Sometimes you just go, I don't I don't know. I don't know how to be really good to myself, taking care of myself in the way that would be best for me. Again, because as I mentioned before, different personalities need different kinds of care. They have a different approach and a different interpretation to what's important, and they have different personal needs than other people based on their disposition and based on their functional order. They have to do things that are in line with their dominance. That means their level number one kinds of activities. That's the most important thing for their body and heart and mind to do throughout the day in good situations and in bad situations and in kind of uncertain situations if they know what those things are, specifically relative to their functional order, that right there gives them a peace of mind and a feeling, a sense of empowerment to say, I know that taking care of myself in this way is going to be not only beneficial for me, but it will have a positive effect on other people because the kind of peace that it has given me is also contagious. So thinking about this, sometimes you you might not know what your dominant function is. You might not even know what your personality is. Okay, that's fair enough. One of the activities I enjoy doing with my clients, right, and even some of my friends that has been very effective for me is stream of consciousness. That's, you know, just basically verbally vomit. You need to get Whatever is going on in your heart and mind, out. If you don't know what it is, sometimes our mind, once we get into a train of thought, it says, okay, how much information do you want? I got a whole lot of it here for you. Okay, well, I'm giving an example of a stream of consciousness. You just you just go with a thought that has nothing to do with anything. In the beginning, it might not seem very important, But you need to keep going with a thought, changing your thought, changing your your dialogue. Well, it's not even dialogue. It's a monologue until you hit what's called an epiphany, an aha moment. I have one in my book, and I have one that I give my clients because it's a good general example, right? Because they'll understand the principle if they can see an example. But you know what? Today, just for my listeners, I'm going to go ahead and give a a personal example, one that I didn't plan, I didn't write it out, I didn't script it for the show. Let's see. Um, Start with something that's not really important, per se, on paper. It doesn't seem very important. Okay, my shoes. There's a a pair of shoes that I have, and I think I want to give it to charity, but I really like them. Okay, so I'm going to go, I'm going to start with that, say, well, you know what? I really do like these shoes because they're very comfortable. And it's important when my shoes are comfortable 
that I be able to walk anywhere I want to walk because when I walk, I feel like I have more energy and I actually look good. So when I'm walking and I know that I look good, then I feel good. And if I feel good, then I want to walk some more. And you know what? When I sleep better, because when I walk, then that makes me feel even better. And oh my gosh, when I feel better, do you know that I really eat better food too? And when I eat better food, then I know I look good, but I don't even care sometimes. When I want that food that I like, I don't even care the way I look. But yeah, I kind of do really care. Sometimes maybe I eat those things because I'm embarrassed at how I look. And if I'm embarrassed at how I look, my sister should never have done that. When we were little girls, she would compete with me. And you know what? Because she knew that I looked better than her. So she would actually say and do things just to make me feel bad. But did I even look better than her? She looked just as good as I did. My mom would say that she went, oh, you know what? My mom really wanted us to compete with each other, and that made me angry. I don't like to compete. I wonder if my sister feels that way, too. I wonder how much I do in my life just out of competition that I don't even want to do. That's an epiphany. That's an aha moment. All I was talking about in the beginning was my shoes, and it ended up going to how much of what I do in my life is about competition. And how many of the things that even if I win, even if I am the best of the best, really make me happy? Maybe it would make me more happy if I stopped competing so much. I'm going to spend the next few days looking at my life, my current life, but also the things that I've done in the past with all of the competition. And I need to start changing those things in my life. Yeah, you know what? When you're doing things about other people, about situations, about your choices to become more proactive and to get rid of resentment that you may have had as a result of other things that you never really worked on, getting in touch with what you're thinking and what you're feeling is a very critical, a vital first step because you're never going to be able to really see what is the problem in the first place that you never really solved gives you and continues that resentment, you might not even realize what you resent or why that's continuing to be the case. It's important that even when things in your life have happened, bad, right, difficult, challenging, overwhelming things, experiences that you've had, they might have been really painful. You don't have to forgive and forget. You need to remember, you just need to change your perspective. You need to modify your interpretation of what those things were for and what they meant and how you can turn mm, stumbling blocks, what they may currently be, into stepping stones when you modify not only your perspective, but your interpretation and your priorities about negativity. Yeah, you need to get rid of the negativity. You need to proactively create something positive. You have the power, the power with other people that you create, the infinite power. That's the power of synergy. So how do you know really when you need to speak to someone in a certain way or more importantly, when you need to not say something or do something? Well, maybe more importantly, not do something. Okay. Now, most people have gone over the four basics of the 
personality profile system Myers-Briggs. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of the fundamental uh, dichotomy letters because if you really do want to start at the beginning, there's all kinds of information all over the Internet. What's important to know is functional order. When I talk about these things, it's kind of confusing, but I'm going to speak very slowly and explain it in a little bit more detail. Just because if you have a question, you can go ahead and call me at the radio station right now. That's 888-627-6008. Now, there are different levels of activity that everybody has to do. Everybody has to do just everything in life, but the different levels mean you have to do those things for different amounts of time. Basically, different proportions of your day need to be distributed to different activities that you do just based on your personality profile. Okay, so now if you have the four letters of your personality, I'm going to go ahead and just use a random one for fun. Okay, um, E-S-F-J. Now, that's Extroverted, sensory, feeling, judger. How you determine your functional order. It's really two parts. The first one is determining which of the letters are introverted and extroverted, okay? And which ones are on which level based on whether they're introverted or extroverted. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm an ambivert. I do introverted and extroverted things. Now, everybody does some things in an introverted way and everybody does some things in an extroverted way. That's why it's very important when I'm teaching people for that to be very clear to them. There are going to be things that you do introvertedly, other things you do extrovertedly. There needs to be a certain amount of time spent doing each of those. If you are an introvert, you need to do more of your introvertedly oriented activities, more, really more, than your extrovertedly oriented activities because that's more healthy for you. Yes, the world we live in does demand that all things be done by everybody, and that's fine. It is important for people to be fully functional and healthy while they are performing the activities that are not even of their personality's preference and nature. Okay, so the ESFJ personality, the way you determine functional order, you look at the last letter of your personality. It's either a P or a J. If the last letter of your personality is a J, like an ESFJ. That means the judging activity that you do, the making decisions, the third letter of your personality is going to have an extroverted preference. The third letter, if you're a J, the third letter of your personality will be extroverted. Okay, now that means that the other letter, the S, of an ESFJ will have an introverted inclination. Okay, so the feeling is extroverted. The sensing 
is introverted. So as an extrovert, the ESFJ means that the extroverted activity, the feeling activity, will be the one they prefer to do more. They will still do sensing activities because that is part of their nature. But that will be number two because it will have an introverted orientation. Everything in nature is about balance. You're going to do one thing one way and the other thing the other way. So what does that mean about the other two levels? The dominant is number one. For an ESFJ, that would be extroverted feeling. The auxiliary is number two. For an ESFJ, that would be introverted sensing. Well, again, when we're talking about nature and the principle of balance, an ESFJ will also have to do the thinking and the intuitive activities. Well, if extroverted feeling is dominant, number one, then the polar opposite of extroverted feeling, which is introverted thinking, will be the one they want to do least all day, every day, but they still have to do it. So that's their inferior function. Extroverted feeling is number one. Introverted thinking is number four, their inferior function. Okay, so if their introverted sensing is number two, the polar opposite of introverted sensing is extroverted intuition. That's number three. That's their tertiary function. They'll have to do that. They'll have to do all of those activities. ESFJ has extroverted feeling, introverted sensing, extroverted intuition, and introverted thinking as one to four. That's the order of those activities. Well, okay, that's important to remember, but what does that mean if it's dominant or auxiliary or tertiary or inferior? It means there's only a certain amount of time that they should be doing each of those activities in order to stay healthy. The, the concepts that I use are those four levels, okay? The, the dominant, the number one activity is like breathing. People need to breathe all day, every day. It's so natural for them. It's like breathing. In fact, if you stop doing your dominant function, it will harm you. It will really and truly do damage to you because the only way you can stop doing it is fighting yourself and resisting yourself. So I tell people, you know what? You really need to spend the bulk of your day doing your dominant function. Well, since you have to do the other three activities, I say minimum 60% of your day needs to be spent doing your dominant function. 60 to 65% ideally is what you should be doing your dominant function for in a day. Okay, well, percentage-wise, the actual amount of time-wise, I tell people if you're awake for 16 hours, that, that amount, 60 to 65%, means you should be doing your dominant function for 9 to 10 hours a day. Okay, well, how about the auxiliary function? Okay, well, that's like eating. I tell people eating is important. 
you don't have to do it all day, every day, like breathing, but you do need to do it consistently and repeatedly enough to sustain you, just like eating. You can go for a period of time not doing it, but if you go too long, it will damage you, it will do you harm. So unlike breathing, where it's so natural, it's so automatic that you don't ever think about it, really, unless there's something weird going on with your breathing, like if there's something strange going on with your dominant function, eating does have to be requested by life or your circumstances, your situation, or your personal needs, you know, like hunger. We have to have an indication that our auxiliary function needs to be done. So, like eating, I explain to people that a healthy amount of time in their day, well, it's 20 to 25% of your day, of your time. What that means is in a 16-hour day, you need to spend four to five hours max doing your auxiliary function. Okay. Three to four hours is more reasonable because as we're looking at the other activities, the tertiary and inferior functions, and you don't really need to eat for five hours a day. If you are healthy, you can pretty much get your auxiliary function down to three to four hours a day. You will be healthy and the people around you will appreciate the next part. We're talking about your tertiary and inferior functions. Yes, there are things you got to do. But if you're instructed, if you're trained how to do them successfully and in a healthy way, it's okay to do them for the next amounts of time that I'll describe. What we can think of in a tertiary function is walking. Yeah, we have to walk, okay? Two to three hours a day, that's 15 to 20% of your day. If you were actually to do your tertiary function for two to three hours a day, that's not too bad. You don't have to do it all at one time. When you're thinking about doing your activities like for um, an ESFJ, since it's not an S and it's not an F, it's actually the N activity, okay, and it's an extroverted N activity, then there are going to be situations and circumstances where the ESFJ has to engage and they have to participate in whatever is going on. If they do walking activity, walking-like activity for 20, maybe half hour, 20 minutes to a half hour at a time, well, yeah, that would be like walking a mile. That's not hard if you have enough general practice throughout your life doing that activity And not only will it not be too much work for you, you might actually appreciate it and enjoy what you're doing because now thinking about the extroverted intuition, if the ESFJ does their intuitive activities in the context of their other extroverted activity of feeling, they will be much better at doing it. They will have much pleasure, much more pleasure, right, enjoyment while it's being done. That means that they can get comfortable doing things that aren't their natural preference. Okay, so we're talking about the tertiary function. 15 uh, 15 to 20% of your day, 
three to four hours, you know what, two to three hours, that really is, is best. So 10 to 15%. If we're talking about two to three hours, that's a lot of walking if you need to actually do it because maybe your life circumstances, your job, your family, things that are just part of your current situation demand that you do it for more. Keep in mind that you still need to take very good care of yourself. If you were walking for three hours a day, that's a lot of walking, that's six to seven miles. And that's that's just strolling. That's not even walking fast. Yes, you can do it, but it's on you. Okay, so now let's look at the inferior function. I always tell people you should only do this for five to 10% of your day because it is the polar opposite of what feels like breathing to you. This is running. Now, can you run? Absolutely. Can you run every day? Yes. And you can run fast and you can run for an extended period of time. Okay. You can run a long distance, but it does naturally wear on you. It does drain you and it can harm you over time if you did it for an extended period of time every day. I say 5 to 10% of your 16-hour day. You really shouldn't do your inferior function for more than 45 minutes to an hour and a half a day. Let's say for an ESFJ, that would be introverted thinking. Okay, so running... Doing introverted thinking for an extended period of time would not only mean that they would be doing something that they're really not into, just as a general principle, but that would mean that in order to do it, they would have to stop doing their dominant function of extroverted feeling. It's not just the introverted thinking that they don't want to do. It's the repressing their natural inclination, their urge to do extroverted feeling activities. When we think about the inferior function being 45 minutes to an hour and a half every day, first of all, people really do need to practice it in order to do it well, just like running. If you don't continue to do uh, something that utilizes the function of whatever your inferior function is, just like running, there will be a reduction in your performance and your ability to do it for an extended period of time, just like running. Now, if you go a year without running, you won't have the strength or endurance or the aerobic ability, but if you've done it, you will still be able to get back but it's going to it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of practice in order to get back to the level of performance that you were at before. If you do inferior function activities for 45 minutes to an hour and a half a day, thinking of that in terms of running, well, you know what? If you run at eight miles per hour, that's an eight-minute mile, that's very good. You don't have to be an Olympic athlete racing, right? The three or four minute mile. Well, a short distance runner can run, a, you know, a, a 10 miles per hour. Well, maybe they could run 20 miles per hour because they're only going for a very short period of time. If you do your, your inferior function in a massively impressive way, 
you can only do it for a short period of time. If you have the strength and the endurance and the stability to go for, yeah, maybe a, a mile at a time, okay. Well, if you're a marathon runner, you can do it for an extended two, three, four hours at a time. But look at the kind of body that they have. It literally will take away your entire life. Yes, you need to do your inferior function because the world needs for you to do it. Think about the motivation and the recovery time that you need and the reward that your body and mind are going to ask of you when you do something that's not only not your personality, but it's resistant to your nature. How many hours in a day do you currently spend doing each of your activities? Well, what's extroverted sensing? What's introverted feeling? What's extroverted intuition? What's extroverted thinking? You know what? That's kind of complicated (laughs) because you have a lot of different ways to do all those different kinds of activities. There aren't a whole lot of resources in the um, general the internet, right, the the market right now for MBTI productions. Some of them are books. Some of them are magazine articles. Some of them are videos. Make sure when you're learning something about personality, you start with yourself because it's going to be really hard for you to interpret something that someone else is doing if you don't really understand it about yourself because when you take the time to not only apply what you've learned, but really reflect on it and analyze it and observe yourself in the context of what you've just learned, then it will mean something more profound to you. You will have not only the practical use of that information in the small things in your life as well as the larger things like decision-making or real challenges, personal challenges that you face, but the appreciation of what having that information can create for you and facilitate in your life, then you can absolutely say, it's a good thing that we have someone else, the complete and total polar opposite of me in the world, because these other activities, these other dichotomies and the other characteristics, preferences, abilities, they are vital to the success in the world. They are absolutely critical to the harmony of society. There are a lot of different things that need to get done all day, every day, in every part of life and all around the world. Nature has given us a beautiful gift in the variety of personalities and the distinctness of the different people who have the different personalities. If you understand that, you know what, the, the activity that this qualifies as, it could be taking care of a person, right, by nurturing them. It could be in the form of physically tending to them when they're sick. That's very different than listening to them talk when they're having a hard time. One of them is a sensing activity. One of them is just an intuitive feeling activity. You can say knowing and understanding 
this is really making me crazy because this is not my personality. I'm really bad at it. And I only have a threshold. I only have the endurance to do it for a certain period of time. Then you can say to yourself, okay, I've just done something that for me is like running. And you know what? Because of my personal life experiences, it's like running uphill for me. That's really tough. I know myself well enough to appreciate and understand that I can take good care of myself when I'm done. I can give myself not only a reward, that's that's very gratifying, but I also need to take time to recover and restore myself back to 100%. If you've just gone running for 15 miles, you need to relax. You need to have that satisfaction of saying, yeah, what I did was really, really important. And I deserve to be able to take care of myself in the way that is best suited for my personality. What someone else with a different personality would need is very different from what I would need. But keep in mind, if you know yourself and understand yourself and take good care of yourself based on that really accurate understanding, you are, you are more willing and more likely to give that same consideration and that time and support and help to other people in the same way that you've done it for yourself. That's really important and it's appreciated. And again, the synergy that you create with other people when you give them that positive energy in a proactive way based on an informed understanding, an accurate understanding based on an appreciation of that information, it will propel the positive energy to others and it will motivate them to want to be able to do what you've done. People are more inspired by what they see and what they experience firsthand than what they read out of a book or what they hear or see on television when they can know personally from that experience that they have either been the recipient of something good or they've watched it from a distance and seen. That's not just talk. That's that's the real deal. Those are words in action. I can trust that and appreciate that and respect it. Do you know how much positive energy you have when you do your dominant function? for 9 to 10 hours a day, and when you do your auxiliary function for 3 to 4 hours a day, how high quality do you become in your thoughts and your feelings and your actions? That's what other people want. And if you have the ability then to say to someone, well, you know what, I think what you're doing right now is great, And I appreciate your effort, but I understand you would prefer to do something else. And you're really, really good at this particular thing. Let's try it in another way to see how well you do and to see how fulfilling it is for you to be able to do this activity instead. We can have someone else that loves to do what you're doing right now doing that while you do something else. Then, then what we have 
as not only individual people, but as a group of people working together, the synergy that we create when we're doing our dominant functions in a high-quality state of mind, in a natural peace of heart, then our bodies and our strength and our endurance, they're all going to go to a different level. We will perform not only to a better degree, to a higher degree, but also our heart, mind, and strength will feed off of the energy that that creates with each other for each other. How often do you know what would be best for you? Do you really know? Well, okay, the times that you know, how often do the people around you know that as well? How comfortable are you telling people? Well, one of the best ways to have that have that willingness to share with people that information and the effectiveness is knowing how to talk in the language of their personality. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you always have to say what they want because content-wise, yeah, that's maybe half the time. It's really not about the substance of the message. It's about the delivery method. How you say it is just as important, if not more important, than what you say. Now, what I've explained to people is the four different parts of the body that are dispositions of the 16, 16 personalities create. There are four different dispositions. It's very important for you to appreciate that all four of those dispositions are equally important. So I explained that one of them is like the bone. They're stiff. Well, no, they're firm. Okay? They're they're very stable. They are supportive when they have something that needs to be done, they know exactly how to stick to what has been established as the supportive and the consistent and stable established standards. Those are sensory judgers. Okay, and then some people are like muscles. They're more flexible. They have a lot of strength, but they're about moving. Well, the bones, they, they don't necessarily want to move. They want to help other people move in the form of supervision. Okay, they're not going to move. They're not going to negotiate. Well, then the muscles say, yeah, it's time to move. If you're a bone, you're just sitting there. Well, that's nice, but you're not really going to get anything done. And the bone says, okay, you can go ahead and get things done. I just need to stay attached to you and make sure you don't do anything crazy. Okay, which one's more important? You know what? They're equally important. They are both vital to things happening because they rely on each other, either for the success of what they're going to be doing or for the purpose of their existence. 
they need to be needed by each other because that establishes their value. People need to be valued. Well, there's two other dispositions. One of them is like a heart. They're very loving and very generous. They're very considerate and thoughtful and caring. Okay, that's important. We have to have the heart because that's what keeps the blood pumping through society. Then we have a brain. The brain is the one that creates the ideas and makes sure that what's going on is smart. They come up with the different concepts that that tells the heart, okay, yes, it's very important to do the right things, but I'm going to tell you which things are the right things to do because if you always did everything you wanted to do, we'd get into a lot of trouble. So let's make sure that what we're doing is the right thing to do in the form of the smart thing to do, okay? Brains really do understand complex concepts and the profound principles that are behind the things being done because you can do a lot of different things, but you can do just as much damage when you're doing something stupid as you can do good when you're doing something smart. So a brain would say, let me go ahead and think about this before before I make sure that the heart is giving that motivation and the, the inspiration, well, that the muscle is actually doing, right? Well, that the bone is making sure it gets done correctly. Well, what's more important, the heart or the brain? Yes, they're vitally important. They're equally important. And they rely on each other. The brain, yeah, it's it's very important. There's got to be some blood flowing through the body. Well, the heart's real good at pumping the blood. And you know what? The heart wouldn't be able to do anything if the brain wasn't giving it the instructions and making sure it kept going. Okay? But the bone, okay, if we didn't have the bone... The brain wouldn't have any kind of protection, and it's pretty vulnerable, okay? Now, when we have the heart, yeah, there's also a protection of the bone. That's very important. When the bones say, I'm going to protect people by creating the the firmness and the stability to make sure things don't go wrong. SJs are very much about making sure things don't go wrong. Well, you know what? The muscles... The muscles are all over the body. They are literally everything that we do. Well, the brain tells the muscles what to do. The heart gives it the blood to be able to do it. Yeah, technically the muscles are what do everything, but it wouldn't be able to do anything without the other three elements. When we understand and appreciate all of the different elements, then we can say, yeah, it's important for this person of this personality to do it in this way. Yes, a heart can do brain things. Yes, a bone can do heart things. Yes, a muscle can do bone things. That's how we have to do all of our functions. Everybody has to be able and willing to do things that are not the nature of their personality. But again, keep in mind, you cannot change your true nature, you will always be one of those elements. The only way you can still be healthy 
while you are doing things that are contrary to your nature is if you appreciate that you deserve to be well cared for. Sometimes that's other people caring for you. They're doing things with you and for you as a gift to you. That's making you better. Yeah, sometimes you're going to have to take care of yourself. Give a gift to yourself. Some people have a harder time doing that than others. But again, thinking about your nature, your true nature of your personality, some things are going to be more healthy for you than others. Not necessarily more pleasurable. Sometimes taking care of yourself, it's not a whole lot of pleasure. Not necessarily gratifying, but it's good for you. It's healthy for you. It's beneficial to you because when you're done, you are exponentially better in quality and you can do exponentially more in quantity. How many people would say, absolutely, do whatever you need to do. Take care of yourself. Let me know if there's anything I need to do or give or be for you for that to happen. And then you can say with all sincerity and honesty, yeah, I really do need to be taken care of, and so do you. The positive energy and that positive attitude, that is another kind of synergy that you create. When I tell people, you have to take care of yourself first. A lot of people say, well, that's selfish. You can't just take care of yourself. I say, no, take care of yourself first with the intention of taking care of other people in a higher quality state. If you know the nature of your personality, you will understand and appreciate and be more willing to do the things (laughs) that are best for you in a healthy way. So when you think about yourself and think about the other people in your life, how much time are you worth? How much money do you believe, genuinely believe is justifiable spending on yourself? What's the return on your investment? Okay, and other people. How many things that would be a beautiful gift a genuinely high-quality expression of your generosity demands money. Well, you know what? Some personalities, they like money or material things more than others. Okay. How many people are genuinely like that? And how many are just used to being in the world that way? But it's really not important, truly, to them in their heart. If you said, well, what would you like? Really, truly, I just want to know. Well, they might have to stop and think about it for a while. They might even come up with something that, yeah, you might go, hmm, that's kind of crazy. But again, that positive energy, that honesty is a vital element to the positive energy because what you then can say and do and be with that person is what I'm going to give you is high quality and sincere expression of how important you are to me. That's the positive energy that creates and propels the synergy between you that other people around you will not only pick up on, but respond in kind to. 
when we think about what society as a whole needs in general, a lot of people don't really have their own beliefs based on their own value system because a lot of the things that we're told are important really aren't. The media has convinced us that certain things are just better than others. You know, certain things are more necessary than others. But we're very simple in a lot of ways. When it comes to our life, yeah, food, clothing, and shelter, those aren't really hard things to obtain. How much of what we own materially do we really even want? They're pretty expensive. And they take a lot of time and energy and focus, our attention. If we didn't have those things, how many extra hours in our day would we have to spend doing our dominant function? Or if, you know what, money wasn't really an issue the way we think it is, which, by the way, it's not. We can, we can live on pretty low income. If we could just do the things that are our dominant function as our source of income, we wouldn't need a vacation. We would have, at the end of the day, the feeling of, wow, I've been breathing for nine hours. I'm so relaxed. Yeah, it's time to eat or yeah, I can go for a walk. You know what? I can even run a little bit. When I was doing my dominant function, a few things came up and I had to run 45 minutes today. Yeah, you know what? I can even do another 15, 20 minutes. Tell me what you need. I'm feeling good. My attitude is positive. My strength and energy are really high right now because emotionally, I'm feeling fulfilled and satisfied. You know what? How many, how many cars do you actually need in a family? Two adults, two kids, they are both of the driving age. You don't need four cars. You know what? How many computers, how many televisions do you need? If people didn't have those electronic devices, what would they do? What did people do 100 years ago, 200 years ago? What did they do when they were at home? Oh, well, I think they talked. Did, did they did they talk to each other? Wow, what a concept. <laughs> when they didn't have cars, they walked. Yes, they would ride a bike, okay? They would do um, other things in life instead of having to go places that demanded a car, a vehicle, motor vehicle. How many things in your life of your dominant function, right, kind of activities are really a part of your daily life? Wow, nine hours a day. Think about what those activities are. How much of your lower functions, your, maybe your tertiary, maybe your inferior functions, are more than half of the time that you spend in your day. Do you know? Have you ever actually thought of that? Well, what about the people around you? How does that make you feel to have to do things that are very contrary to your true nature? How do you respond to people just in daily life activities, like going to a store if they cut in front of you in line? If you're doing your dominant function, they probably wouldn't cut in line in front of you in the first place because they would they would feel your positive energy. They would stop and let you go first because they like how you feel. 
and it would make them feel good. Would that be worth it? How about when someone actually does say to you, oh, you know what? You take it or you go first or here. Yeah, absolutely. You can have whatever it is. If you're in a high quality state from doing your dominant function for nine to 10 hours a day, you can just smile and say, thank you. In a sincere way, in a heartfelt way, accept what they've offered you and appreciate the fact that they did it in the first place, that they even extended that offer because you would understand that there's more joy in giving than there is in receiving. You accepting their gift is sharing an experience with them that is a big part of fulfillment as a person, as a human being. When you give to someone, you have a greater happiness. So when you receive from someone who is giving, you are sharing that experience with them in the form of giving them that happiness, allowing them to experience that fulfillment and happiness that comes when they give. And yeah, you know what? You could use, you could appreciate, you could eat, um, wear, um, <laughs> whatever it is that they gave you. You might not. In fact, you might not even like it. But when you are saying to them, I appreciate what you've done as an act, you made my life better because your positive energy has created synergy with me. Your goodness has made my life exponentially better than what it would have been if you either cut in front of me or you completely ignored me. Yeah, we do care what other people do and we do respond in some way. We do have an interaction with them, even if it's non-directly or from a distance, we do rely on each other. We are responsive to each other. We are affected by each other. And that's the same. That's equally true with everyone around us. Are you able, are you even um, informed of, do you have the information of how to Get yourself in that high-quality state. There are a lot of things that, for your personality, work better than others. And there are different things for other personalities that work better than others. Being willing to do those things, to find out those things, in and of itself is a gift. Because that takes time. It takes thought. It takes energy. It takes practice. Everything that you're doing with a positive attitude and with a willing spirit and with a heartfelt intention, those are all very positive things. That right there changes your energy when you are around people in every situation at all times. People are going to feel your positive energy and they are going to have more motivation than they would have before to do and be the same thing as you. When you really do appreciate the power of synergy, you know that you have a responsibility and that means an accountability to the people not only that you're with, that you interact with, that you're accountable to, but the people by extension 
you are directly affecting. No, you're indirectly affecting because you don't interact with them personally, but they still feel you. They will be affected by you. Appreciate your power. Use your power. Don't abuse it. And always understand that there is no neutral. If your power is not positive, it is by default something negative. And that's nothing you would ever want to be, even accidentally. Thank you for listening today, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Gabrielle Cardona. I'm a relationship coach and I specialize in communication and conflict resolution. The show is The Power of Synergy. May you always be powerful.